0: And he even stripped the gold from off the doors and the uh, walls of the temple. And he gave all the riches to the king of Assyria as a policy of appeasement. But that didn't work either, because wicked Sennacherib was so lustful and greedy that he would have it known that he must take all. And then they taunted the people and said, well, if you just surrender, we will bring you to a land of vines and plenty, prosperity, just as you have it here in Jerusalem. And so Hezekiah was further threatened, and he was in a deep and desperate situation. Thank you for tuning in, joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak Today. This is Pastor Ian Golliher to bring the message of God's Word by radio to you. And I pray that this message will work graciously in your heart to bless you and help you in the Lord. The word of the message today is on confidence in the Lord our God. We are a people who must live by faith. We must live in the assurance of salvation and God's help in every walk of life. I want to read to you the prayer of Hezekiah, a man who had great confidence in God, and you will know by a man or woman's prayers how much they are leaning on the Lord. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord, and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib which hath sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they are no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that Thou art the Lord God, even Thou only." Well, this is the message today, confidence in the Lord. You can't hold a marriage together by a policy of compromise. Now we know that in every marriage there's give and take. You can't have your own way all of the time. You have to be willing to go the second mile. And if you're not willing to put more than 50% into your marriage, maybe you shouldn't even be married. And so we're not talking about that uh, willingness and readiness to please uh, your wife or your husband. But when it's built on compromise and a spirit of appeasement to truth and righteousness, and those things that are absolute, you can't sell your soul because you want to please your spouse. Now, they don't work in the church either. And unfortunately, some people try to build mega churches on the basis of appeasement and try and placate every notion and every way of thinking. It doesn't work. And they don't work for your soul. If you think that you can be saved by adopting, the thinking of the world, a Christianity that goes hand in hand with worldliness, it will not work. It's not the gospel. It will not save your soul. I advocate that you follow the better way, the way that Hezekiah finally adopted the policy of trusting in the Lord— And I want to spend the rest of our time this morning looking at Hezekiah's prayer, his policy of trust in the Lord himself. Now, I go back to chapter 18, verse 19, and I take you back to the text that I chose. And it's this question, what confidence is this wherein thou trustest? Now, I came upon this message today because I noted right in these verses 19 to 22, you have the word trust four times. And this was the issue of trusting. And Rabshakeh, the message boy of Sennacherib, who came to mock and to scorn God's man and God's people, he came with this question, What confidence is this wherein thou trustest? And then he went on to say in verse 20, and strength for war." Now, on whom dost thou trust? And then verse 21, now behold, thou trustest upon the staff of this bruised reed. And then verse 22, we trust in the Lord our God. And so you can see that this is a matter of trust. It's not a policy of self-reliance. It's not a policy of appeasement. It's a policy of trusting In the Lord. And that's Christian. That's the gospel. That's the way that God's people resort in their times of need and when they realize their need of a Savior. Now, in this question, there are three issues. There is the assumption of powerlessness, because Hezekiah, he needed help. He was not fit to withstand the giga- gigantic and enormous army that was already outside his gates. When he looked out through the gates of his city, he must have been horrified with the m- amassing of human strength against his little city, in comparison, and his little army. And remember that Judah and the Jerusalemites well, they had very little might of their own. They had no horses. They had no chariots. They were the smallest of the people groups. Those and the Samaritans who were taken already by Sennacherib, they were the largest. They were the ten tribes of Israel. Judah was just one tribe with a few others brought in. Their city was isolated on the top of a hill. They could never withstand a siege for nearly as long as the Samaritans. Before long, it would be curtains. It would be all over. And this is the stance that is taken in the Bible. Souls in this world have no might, no resources, and they need a Savior. What confidence is this upon whom thou trustest? And it speaks that we each need a Savior. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. We're not trusting in the flesh. We're not trusting in armies. We're not trusting in man-made philosophies. We're trusting in a Savior whom the Lord has sent us. And so this question, what confidence is this? In whom is your confidence? Who are you trusting in? That's the big question. Then in verse 21, in this question, there is the writing off of help from Egypt. Look at verse 21. Now, behold, thou trustest upon the staff of this bruised reed, even Egypt. Now, Sennacherib was away to the north. The natural logistical uh, method of getting help would be go to the south, to Egypt. They had massive armies, horses and chariots, military of great historic training And if they could get help from Egypt, well, that might be of some succor to them. But you will see here that Egypt, well, they're just a bruised reed, that if a man lean upon it, he will pierce himself through. In other words, it will just bring sorrow. And of course, Egypt to us today is the world. Egypt is putting our trust in man. And so in your trouble, where do you go? Do you trust in human help? someone that might be friendly, predisposed to come to your aid, will you run to them before you run to the Lord? This was the question that was put here to Hezekiah. Trust not in the arm of flesh. And then also in this, there is the question of our final hope, trusting in the Lord. And of course, this is what Hezekiah did when he went up into the temple of the Lord, and he spread the letter out, and he cried unto his God in prayer. What was he doing? He was trusting in the Lord, not in Egypt, not in his self-reliance, not in other policies, but he was simply brought to the end of the rope. He had nowhere else to go, and he cried out unto his God. And if you go to Second Kings chapter nineteen and verse nineteen, you will see here the essence of his trust. Really a great text on what it means to trust. Chapter nineteen verse nineteen Now, therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. Now, here is the substance of what it means to trust. Now, a lot of people in this world, they talk about their faith. They talk about the, the, the hope that they have. They state that they believe in, in goodness, and they state that they even have some God. They say that they're seeking their path on a journey to God. But all of this is very far away from personal trust. You're talking about, I believe, I accept, I know. All of that is, does not equate, does not lead to personal trust. And in this prayer of Hezekiah, we see what trust is. Firstly, it was a, a prayer of adoration. He said, O oh Lord, our God. And you can see that there is worship, there is praise, there is confidence, and he knows he's his God. And he comes to him with a warm, a stirring of his soul to give praise and to acknowledge that he is God. Now, if you go to verse 15, you'll see that in his praying, he makes much of his own heart relationship with God. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. And so you can see that he is putting his trust in God alone the one true and living God, the creator of heaven and earth. And that's what trust involves. Is that true in your life? Is that true in your heart today? Or are you saying, "Oh, I'm just religious. I'm just kind of a churchy person, and I accept all positions. You will see that trust is to call upon the living, true God and to plead with him You'll see also, if you go back to verse 19, that it was a prayer for salvation. Now, therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us. There's the prayer of trust. Save thou us. You'll notice the word save right there. And when you're trusting in the Lord, you've made that prayer. Lord, save me. I'm calling on you to save, to deliver me. And until you make that prayer, you cannot say that you're trusting in the Lord. It's like a drowning man. He's in a pool, and he's flumming about in the water and splashing and making no progress, and he realizes his energy will soon be done, and he just splashes around while the lifeguard is in vicinity, but he doesn't cry out. Now, is he trusting in the lifeguard because he's there, or is he going to call out, Help! Save! And then, to his aid, the lifeguard will go. And you cannot say that you are trusting in the Lord if you have not made this prayer. Save us, O Lord! Save my soul! Wash away my sins! And these are the great needs of your heart. And until you cry to the Lord in prayer, you cannot say that you've trusted him. You have called on him to save you and help you. You remain at a distance. You still retain the policy of self-reliance. I can do it. I can do it my way. I don't need to cry out to save me. And so trust involves the prayer of the cry of, Save my soul. Now, there are many New Testament texts that I would point out that this is the definition of trusting. I want to take you just to two of them. Let's go to Romans chapter 10 and to verse 12. Romans 10, verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Did you notice that word call? Trusting is to call. He's the same Lord, no matter what your nationality. Makes no difference if you're Jew or Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all, all of whom? All that call upon him. Have you done that? And look at verse 13. For whosoever shall call— Upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's the certainty of it. And there is the confidence that we are trusting now in the Lord as our Savior, as our Helper. And then there's another case, another text back in Acts 16, verse 31, and it's the story of the jailer. And the jailer who cried out to Paul and Silas, What must I do to be saved? And in verse 31 of Acts 16, the answer was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. There's trust. You've got to call, believe, put your trust in the Lord, and you will be saved. Now, have you done that? I'm asking you, can you look me in the eye right now as your pastor, preacher here today? Can you say to me honestly, one-to-one, I personally have trusted the Lord by calling on him to save me. That's what trust is. If you have a policy of trusting in the Lord, you have called on him. You have put your confidence in the Lord to be your savior. Don't tell me you're a believer, don't tell me that you're a Christian unless you have personally made the prayer to call on the Lord to save your soul. Then you're trusting. It's then that you're trusting. You have a policy of trust in the name of the Lord. One more thing about the nature of trusting. Let's go back to 2 Kings nineteen nineteen, And I note this, that in Hezekiah's prayer, he said that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, and thou only. Here is a prayer of confession with readiness to confess your faith before men. To confess your faith before men. If you're really trusting in the Lord as your Savior, you will be unashamed to tell of that trust before men, that all men may know, that all men may know. You see, the Christian will not hide the fact. The Christian will not be silent and inward and say, Well, I'm, I'm just reserving myself. No, the Christian will confess—confess confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus—and thou shalt be saved. And so, when this message, boy of Sennacherib, this rab Shaka came along asking the question, in chapter uh, 18, verse 19. What confidence is this wherein thou trustest? Well, Hezekiah soon answered when he went into the presence of the Lord and spread out the letter in prayer, and the Lord did not fail him. The Lord heard. The Lord sent an angel, just one angel. Can you imagine the might, the power of one angel against a massive army of 185,000 men, smitten dead by one stroke of one angel. The victory was given by the angel of the Lord in an instant. Now, that reminds me of the Lord Jesus who by one death and by the shedding of his one blood purchased the victory for us. When you trust in the Lord, you're trusting in the victory of the cross in the death of the Lord Jesus. And of course, on the cross, Christ defeated the devil. He defeated the demons of hell. All the powers of darkness that gathered around that cross were put to flight. Salvation was purchased. Atonement was made. And we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is our confidence. Our confidence is not in ourselves. We know that we're but sinners, we feel. We do not have a policy of trusting in the flesh. We do not trust in men. We do not make appeasement with some worldly philosophy. We have a policy of trusting in the Lord alone, and we have the assurance of eternal life, of peace with God. Psalm thirty four eight says, "O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him." Psalm eighty four twelve, "O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in Thee." Jeremiah seventeen seven, "Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is." That's the confidence of the Christian, of the Bible reader, of the one who's saved, the one who has personally trusted by calling on the Lord to save. Can you say that that's true of you tonight, today? If so, well, you have every hope and future that the Lord will be your helper. He will not fail you. He will hear your prayer. He will save you. So today, if you're not a Christian, if you're not yet a believer by calling on the Lord to save you, please come, even when others leave the service, stay in your seat and, and make the prayer today to trust alone in the Lord Jesus as the only Redeemer and Savior to save your soul. And as you make that prayer, you will be saved and sure of it. I would love to
1: tell you what I think of Jesus, since I found in Him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he no one else could take the sin and darkness from me oh how much he cared for me all my life was full of sin when Jesus found me all my heart was full of misery and woe jesus placed his strong and loving arms about me and he led me in the way i ought to go every day he comes to me with new no assurance more and more I understand his words of love but I'll never know just why he came to save me till someday I see his blessed face above no ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and the darkness from me.
0: You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher and I trust that the message today on confidence in our God. That's what we need to be strong in faith, to be overcomers in a world of criticism and compromise. We need great confidence in God. Dare to stand and dare to live the Christian life in boldness. I have here just five resolutions. By Jonathan Edwards. You may know that he had quite a number, many, I think it was over 70, resolutions that he made on how to live the Christian life. But uh, today we're just going to look at these five. Jonathan Edwards, who was a great and useful man, made five resolutions for himself in his youth and lived by them faithfully. They are worth studying. Anyone who will adopt and follow them will greatly increase his usefulness. And here they are as follows. Number one, resolved to live with all my might while I do live. Oh, that puts some zest into our lives, doesn't it? Uh, Not to do things by half, not to be half-hearted, but to do it with all our might. Secondly, resolved never to lose one moment of time, but to improve it in the most profitable way I possibly can. Well, one moment of time, the clock's ticking, and no doubt time is the friend of no man. And while we dither, we wither, we lose our stamina, and we lose opportunities. And I trust that you will resolve to make good use of every minute that God gives you. Thirdly, Resolved never to do anything which I should despise or think meanly of in another. Well, that's a very, very clear one. Uh, if uh, we think of it evil in another, then why would we do it ourselves? Number four, resolved never to do anything out of revenge. And lastly, resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Oh, just think of it. If you were closing your eyes in death, would you dare to do something evil? No, that puts the fear of God within us.